Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church podcast. We are in season seven and are carefully addressing some very serious issues. Today, we're going to discuss the money episode. If you haven't heard the What the Flock episode, please give it a listen. The information in that episode is necessary to fully benefit from this Music of Life Church podcast companion episode. In this episode, we're going to help you understand how to interact with a person who holds a belief differently than the one based in biblical doctrine. We're doing this in order to help you lead with love, both to those who have hurt others and those who have been hurt. I'm Jonathan Fries here with Joel Swakowski. Joel, what are your initial thoughts on the money episode? Well, that was a lot of fun. It made me think of two separate examples of where I've seen money play a part into ministry. One, I met a pastor who man he was hurt by church he actually he actually quit he resigned because of how toxic his church environment was the culture at his church but one of the things he shared was that the elder board or the board of directors that was over him as their pastor actually intentionally paid him less money in order to help him stay humble. That was their goal. We're going to give you like, like there's, there's a norm, like let's say mm. there's a normal amount the senior pastor should be getting paid. There's this standard, you know, mm. in Northeastern Wisconsin, this number that is usually hit. We're purposely going to pay you under what you should get paid because we want to help you stay humble like a shepherd should. Then I met another pastor, totally different scenario, who drove around in his Cadillac and in his fancy clothes and all this in what he said in an effort to build other people's faith. Neither of these are necessarily wrong in and of themselves. Mm. Well, I could argue maybe the elder board was wrong to do this to their pastor. The intention behind it, the helping right. this, you know, yeah, this, the totally. humble pastor, the poor pastor, and then the rich pastor. Neither of those things are wrong, but neither of them are in the conjunctive either. Right. Like, does the elder board know how to handle money well enough, or do they know their pastor well enough to be able to determine for him how much money he should get paid? uniquely so that money isn't a distraction for him because i could argue what they're doing is actually making it harder on the pastor to focus on the spiritual because he's going to be worried about money hmm. and then this other pastor driving around in his cadillac honestly i wish i had a cadillac that wouldn't be wrong to have a cadillac but to think that everybody's going to look at me driving a cadillac and thinking wow, my faith is increased would be me denying uniqueness as well. Because I know, why can't are... it be a Tesla? <laughs> <laughs> right, not enough. Not a, that, I, that's exactly it. I'm, Some not, encouraged, people... I'm not encouraged by a, uh, by a Cadillac. No, I'm not anymore. I'm encouraged by a Tesla. Well, that's the thing. Is like I drive a Cadillac around and some people are going to be like, that snobby pastor has taken all of our tithes. Mm. And some people are going to look at it and think, why not a Tesla? Why not a private jet? Right. Again, point being, not 
how much either of these perspectives is right or wrong, but how, again, the conjunctive answer for every topic we're covering in season seven really comes down to uniqueness. That's why we need to hear people. We need to understand what they believe. And we need to be able to see every one of these topics, including money, from a contextless point of view first. We need to take a step back out of the context of money and then approach it from a perspective of love taking direction from from God. So how about you? What What were your initial thoughts, Jonathan? So one of the things that I was thinking of during all of this, and I loved how we did in the episode, Jesus was focused on how to handle money, not how much you have. And drilling that, I feel like that was really helpful. One of the verses that you read, Luke 16, 11 through 12, it says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? And I actually, the thought that I had was, who's the first person or who are the first people that trust us with their stuff? What's our parents, isn't it? Parents. Yeah. And now we go, now I go, oh, I just learned another benefit of honoring your parents. Oh, where it's nice. like you have like they are letting you use their, their stuff. stuff for a season. Hopefully to learn how to use stuff for yourself. Bingo. And so now we're like, okay, I'm back. I'm I'm back at the first commandment with promise. That's good. Where, you know, y- you know, in the in the Ten Commandments or where it's honor your father and mother. And it's like, oh, here's another reason to do that yeah it where sure you, is. you're showing god hey i i'm gonna value their wealth yeah their stuff and god will trust me to handle my oh, stuff now now you've shown me i can give you what's yours exactly where, and it's just know, amazing in my life it's like honoring honoring my my mother and father and really learning what that looks like when i truly did that you know, and it's not just blindly obeying them, but it's honoring them. It's having weight in the words that they said to me. My financial life kind of sorted out at that same time. Nice. Which is really interesting. Awesome. And so you wonder, like I'm just sitting here wondering, is honoring our parents? And because we are the stuff of our parents. We are their possession. So when we, as a possession of them, start to honor them and treat them as, you know, if, if, as we honor them because they ha- helped give us life, if a lot of things in our life just get sorted out, if God goes, boom, you got it, check. Now let's send you forward and let, and I feel like God can take care of a lot of different hurdles in our life. If we do that. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we're showing God in another sense. If you look at the the tangible relationship of parent to child and the tangible aspect of money, what's the, 
intangible of money is the spiritual value or these spiritual resources. If the parent and the child is a tangible represent, re representation of what? Of the intangible of the relationship that we have with God. Mm -hmm. So it is saying, in a sense, we're, we're showing God when we honor our parents that we are at least capable of honoring him. Right. And it's yeah. like, okay, now, now you're seeing this from a spiritual level. I can start giving you spiritual things. Mm -hmm. The true riches, like Jesus says, right? Yeah. That's cool. So can you give an overview of the damage done with this episode's topic? Yeah. So as I stated in the What the Flock episode, it's imperative that we strive to repeat back to the other person what they believe to their satisfaction. This is where repair begins with understanding the other person first. So if, if agreement happens, it happens after understanding takes place. And we're not in control of agreement. We're in control of understanding. And that understanding is what we're focusing on here. So an overview of both sides is on the strict side, we have money is a measure of your faith in God. Lots of money proves lots of faith. And on the loose side, money is bad. Money distracts you from God. All right. Let me see if I can repeat that back to you, to your satisfaction. So what we're doing this season, what we learned in the What the Flock episode is this is all about seeking first to understand the other person before I make my point. We want agreement, but we're not in control of it. So we go about coming into agreement by focusing on what we are in control of, and that's understanding one another. So that's our focus here. Awesome. With the hopes of, of agreement, but giving up control over that. And with this specific topic, it's simply the strict side would say money is a measure of your faith in God. And the loose side would say money is bad. Is that to your satisfaction? Yes, it is. Thank you, Joel. So let's talk about dealing with people. That's why we're here. How would you handle a person who holds a man-made belief about this topic or any belief outside of the truth? Well, Jonathan, let's take a careful look. It does depend on what they believe about this topic. Here's some common options with a recommended response based on what we learned in the What the Flock episode. Big reminder, though, these responses we supply are meant to be done in response and in love, which would be proven by the intention of these being that you're trying to understand the other person. So I'm not just supposed to take all your questions and just as soon as someone brings up the point, I wait and I and I just hammer them with your questions. You are not supposed to do okay. that. Oh, shoot. Good question. Thank you. No, these are these are questions and responses based on what we've learned, all in an effort to understand the other person. Makes sense. So if someone says a lot of money shows you have great faith. And I want to understand that other person. I could ask a couple questions. Well, what about the rich man from Mark 10 that Jesus encouraged to sell all he had? He promised he'd have reward in heaven and then to follow Jesus. This rich man refused. Did he have great faith? Mm. Second one. 
Oh, can I, can I, can I, can I, I have a, I want to, I want to add one here. Jesus didn't have anything. Yeah. Well, that's how is about, that, is, that, is that coming up? So the second one is little money shows you have little faith. Oh, okay. Well, what would you say to that one, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> what about Jesus? Was Jesus didn't have much, right? No, he did. He goes, the foxes have places to, they have dens. I don't have anywhere to even lay my head. Right. How about John the Baptist? Oh, man. Yeah, he was lived... lo- locust and wild honey. Or, yeah, locust say, and wild honey. The guy didn't even the guy didn't even have a house and he ate grasshoppers, man. This guy's right? poor. Yeah, dude. He <laughs> and he's Jesus's freaking... best man. Like, right. okay. Scratchy underwear. Yeah, both had great faith. Both had little money. So thanks. Yeah, John. Hey, hey, listener. <laughs> Don't ever let Jonathan fool you as he's not one of the smartest guys in the world. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I just to let you know, I downloaded these notes without the adjusted notes. So I don't have your, I don't have your five, I don't oh, have your nice. five, your five categories here. So oh, I'm good. Just, good. So you're, you're just, an, get, you're just an audience member. Right I, just, now. I know. And I just want to, now I'm just like, I'm sitting here going, Ooh, what are these five? And I'm yeah. now I'm getting chompy to commentate yeah. to find Which, out. Here, so here's a little bit more before we move on to the third. Um, you know, the strict side perspective of money is a measure of your faith in God goes both ways. What that person would say is money is a measure of your faith in God, good or great or small. Mm. That would be the strict side would cover both of those. Totally. It's the loose side that says money's bad. The strict side doesn't say that. The loose side just says blanket money's bad. So here's the third one then. The the more money we have, the more we can serve others. So you can see what this perspective is, is really turning money from being a hurdle into a driver. And what we could say here is, is money a cause or an effect? Or in other words, how much money do you need in order to serve others? Right. That's like the, um, I've heard people use the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, oh, yeah. if I, right, like, well, if I didn't, you know, if the, if the good Samaritan didn't have any money, he couldn't have done what he did. Oh, yeah. Right. But it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa like how much though? Right. It, in, that's in, not the point of that parable either. It, exactly. Yes, you're right. But it, <laughs> right. it goes back to. They didn't he need had, an indefinite <laughs> amount. Bingo. He's not going around like he had enough to be able yeah. to care for the need that was there. Right. Not no. I listen, man. I need to have enough money in case every single human being in the world gets beat up, left for dead on the side of the road. Okay, yeah. so I'm just accumulating. Oh. I'm just but accumulating remember, money. What that would do, though, is it would be you saying, "This is how I'm handling my physical wealth." Now I'm beholden to following the spiritual principles according to the same. So if I say that then what happens is I now am going to be required to serve every one of those humans <laughs> been, that's been beat up or else I'm a hypocrite. Right. Mentally, emotionally, or spiritually yep. abused, right? That's yep. your ministry. Yeah. And you have to, you can never turn anyone away ever. Ooh. Or here's a simple move. Just don't turn money into a driver. Just like recognize, okay. no, there, there is enough. Okay. Yeah. Good. I like that. That's a lot less exhausting. Right. Just wait for the need to be the cause, right? There's a spiritual need brought ah, to me and then I respond, right? Right. 
Number four, Jonathan, the Bible says you shouldn't focus on money. It's the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Now, since you don't have your notes, <laughs> I'm going to bring you back to season six. Notice what I say here is the Bible says you shouldn't focus on money. It's the root of all evil. What was our first step in the five steps of interpretation that we taught everybody in season six? What does the Bible say? There you go. Here would be an example. If we used 1 Timothy 6.10 in season six, it would have been done after one step. Love it. Because the reason that I brought up this perspective is more often than not, people say the Bible says money is the root of all evil. The Bible does not say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. I have seen that on tip jars yeah. where where people go, you know, uh, money is the root of all evil. So give us your money, you know, like be, be less evil. (laughs) And we're making you evil then. Sorry. But that is that, you know, perspective we brought up earlier though, of, you know, what's the, what's the contrastive of the money is bad. Well then give it all to me. Exactly. I'll take all your bad. I'll be the the evil one. So here's here again, if anybody brings up anything that says the Bible says fill in the blank, the first question to ask is, do you have a Bible with you? Can we open the Bible? Let's look at it. So that's really the response I would recommend. If you hear someone say money is the root of all evil, ask them, is that what the verse actually says? Can we actually look at that? So good. And then. You know, once once you get past it, even if the person says money's the root of all evil and they're not bringing scripture into it, you could just ask them, well, how will you serve anyone if you have no resources to do so? <laughs> That's the contrastive side of the Samaritan story. Totally. Yeah, he did need money to help or he didn't need resources to help. He didn't need an indefinite amount. Right. But he did need more than zero. Yeah, he did need enough to help. A hurdle. Yep, a hurdle amount. Yeah, totally. And then number five, this is when my heart just goes out to this pastor I was talking about earlier. Here's the perspective of poverty will build your faith. Okay. My response would be, it could, but it could also distract me from building my faith. I... So I'd say, how? what's your definition of faith or how is faith built? I And I would even use the example of um, Jesus out in the wilderness where everybody was hungry. What did he do? What did Jesus do first? Did he give, you know, that incredible sermons? Did he give these incredible sermons right off the bat? No, I think he fed, he sat him down, he fed everyone and then he taught them. Yeah, that's good. Which is like hurdles, hurdles and exactly hurdles and drivers. When you're in poverty, your, your brain is so focused on survival. Yeah. It's like, how, how it takes a, a, a very spiritually mature person, like the apostle Paul saying, I'm content with much or little. So yeah, that is, that, that takes a mature person to be in poverty yet be focusing on the spiritual. Do we want to put that expectation that every on every single person and deny uniqueness. I don't. Me neither. Me neither. So yeah. So those are five 
this was fun. This was fun. You not having <laughs> yeah. the notes. This is a, uh, yeah, we had the five, five common perspectives yeah, and recommended great. responses. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Joel. Okay. So ultimate answer time. Yeah. So ultimately when interacting with either side or with anybody of any of these differing perspectives, I mean, ultimately we could say with interacting with anyone, doesn't matter what side they're on. Doesn't even matter if they're on the truth side, if they're in the Mm -hmm. middle of the conjunctive, Mm -hmm. everyone, we ought to take direction from God via grace in order to love them. Now, the reason we say this stuff and the reason we help you interact with either side is because that's usually where the damage comes from, from one side or the other outside of the conjunctive answer. So we take direction from God in order to love so that we do not enable and we do not judge the other person in the hopes of either winning them or edifying them. Now, in the specific case of money, we know money is important to God because next to the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic. Jesus, every time he's telling stories, what we like to say is he's expressing a physical illustration of a spiritual truth. Anytime he's teaching about money, it's the same thing. Mm. He's using a physical illustration to teach a spiritual truth, Mm. which gets to this point. The very important thing to know about Jesus and when he spoke of money, it was not about how much you had. It was not about the quantitative aspect of money. It was about the qualitative. When he spoke about money, it was about that spiritual truth underlying the example he was giving. How can you handle money? Because that directly translates to how you handle your spiritual riches. Mm -hmm. So he cared more about how you qualitatively handle your money than how much you have, because it gave insight into how a person is capable of handling the spiritual realm. Jesus seeing you handle your money well shows him Hmm, maybe I could give you some spiritual responsibilities, some spiritual resources, and I'll know you're capable of handling those well as well. But ultimately, money is a hurdle, not a driver. There is a limit to how much focus a person puts on money while still being able to remain profitable. That limit is when their focus on money becomes a distraction from focusing on the spiritual causes in their life. Again, showing how the ultimate answer is dependent on the uniqueness of the individual, because the hurdle is going to be higher or lower, depending on who you are and what you're going through in all manners of contextual and non-contextual variables. So that would be the ultimate answer for money. Awesome. Yeah, I think about that, you know, the amount of money is different with us living in Wisconsin and then our friend Ed who lives out in California and he's got two, you know, he's got two young kids. He's married with two young kids living out in California. He, he, he needs more money than that cost of living to, 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 yeah. to meet his needs. Yeah. We had a, when I, when I was in the Marine Corps, I was overseas in Okinawa. I was stationed there for 16 months and due to inflation, we had what was called, we called it COLA. It was an acronym, cost of living allowance. Mm-hmm. So we actually got paid more to live there, mm-hmm. but it really equaled out because yeah. the, although the uniqueness of our situation over there was why 
the money didn't immediately translate things costed more so in the end it did but yeah that's another example of of uniqueness so it's not only just who you are but it's also what are your responsibilities how much does stuff cost around you (laughs) yeah that's another thing totally okay so i want to repeat back to you joel what you shared with me and and dearest listener uh feel free to pause the episode right now and with what joel just taught repeat back the ultimate answer uh before moving on so so try it pause pause this and try to repeat back to joel what he just shared pause 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 okay my turn let's see how i do listener now ultimately joel what we're doing in this season is taking a backward step. We shouldn't be talking to people if we're not trying to love them. We shouldn't be debating. We shouldn't be yeah. arguing unless it's, you know, love, leadership, and grace are the is are the drivers. Oh, good. Good. Behind all of this. What is your are you trying to love the person? Are you trying to lead them? Are you trying to take direction from God? Those are our drivers. Yeah, that's good. Like that. Now the context is, you know the situation that we're talking about, you know, we need to know uh, both sides. We need to know enough about both sides and need to know enough of understanding that other person. Right. So that's the context here. And the doctrine of money is, is really um huge because it shows you know our the way that we handle our physical wealth shows how we can handle our spiritual wealth and jesus was the best example of this he talked about it a ton but jesus was focused on how we handled our money not on how much money we had and there are so many examples so money's a hurdle it's not a driver we're supposed to store up our treasures in heaven. That's the driver. Our spiritual wealth is the driver. Our physical wealth is a hurdle. And we should we should put our focus onto the spiritual and our money not being a distraction. So how much do we need so that money is not a distraction? Yeah. We should focus on that amount. And that amount for you, for me, for everyone is unique. So the way to embrace uniqueness in this is how much money is enough for you to not focus on it. You need the hurdle amount of money so that you can live your life and store up your treasures in heaven because you can't get enough of that. Right. right. There's no amount that Jesus said. Yeah. You know, you should you should stop once you get this hurdle amount of of uh, a spiritual wealth. He said, "Store it up. How much? Store it." Yeah, and even qualified it like, and seriously, like it will never go bad if you do. So not right. only does he say an indefinite amount that should be stored, he's also like, and you won't have to be concerned over the quality diminishing over time. It's going to be, it's going to always be there and it's never going to go bad. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because, okay. Because, 
you know, I love that. I love what Jesus said here about, you know, moth, moth and, and rust, where it's yeah. like, if you have lots of money or lots of wealth, you're going to buy lots of stuff. You know, you're going to get cars, you know, you are chariots of the day and those chariots are going to get rusty and you're going to be like, no, or you're going to have a big pile of gold, a big pile of silver, a big pile of jewels. And, you know, the, the bigger your pile grows, the more thieves go, Hmm. I can grab a I handful. Can... You'd never know. Exactly. And, oh, you know what? I need to, in order to protect my wealth, I'm going to need to hire some security guards to protect all of this and build some fences and all of this. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is going, dude, this is going to be a lot of work for you to keep accumulating wealth because you're going to have to protect against rust, rust damage. You're also going to have to protect against thieves breaking in. So you're going to spend a lot more money to get a lot more money. And it's just going to be a lot of work for you. How much did Fort Knox cost to build and maintain? I wonder. Right. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing here is protecting. Like, yeah, you know what? You know what? It's never going to go bad in the spiritual realm and no one will ever, you don't have to protect it. It's, it is protected. Like how good is that? So Jesus is like, how good of a situation is that for you? It's eternally beneficial and it's, it's, so much more it's infinitely more powerful than anything that you're it's not going to rust it's not going to go away it's forever yeah so put your attention towards that but anyway that's all i have to say about that joel do i under do i understand you absolutely you tell the times that i'd butt in before you can ask me and i'm commentating on what you shared yeah i feel understood (laughs) and i'm learning more through it so thank you yeah that was great such yeah, a good episode. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's great. So thank you, Joel. Thanks to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know. We'll see you next time.